Welcome back to The Faith of You. Thank you very much for tuning in to episode three. If you are a returning listener, thank you for returning. And if you are a new listener, welcome to the pod. My name is Sinead. Um, I don't subscribe to any religion myself, but I do have an interest in religions from all across the world. And uh, the purpose of this podcast is to speak to people um, from various different religions and just to get a bit of perspective, see what they believe in um, and what their life is like as a modern day believer. So if you listened to episode one or two, you may have heard me speak um, about a Catholic mission center um, or about Buddhism respectively. Um, so in episode three, I am delighted to be speaking with Dave Donnelly um, about the Church of Ireland. So Dave, welcome to the call. I'm gonna unmute you. Has it oh, worked? Hi. It has. It has. Welcome, Dave. Thank you so much for speaking. How are things? Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you? Not too bad at all. Uh, we were chatting just a bit earlier about the snow. Dave didn't get much of the snow, but this is the snow day. If anyone's listening back the day that Ireland lost its mind because it snowed during the lockdown. And honestly, it was such a lovely thing to happen today. Just something different. But Dave, um, thank you so much for taking up uh, some of the time on your Sunday to chat to me over Zoom about the Church of Ireland. So, Initially, when I was speaking to you about the Church of Ireland, first of all, I was like, oh, this is kind of a, it's probably, it's a branch of Christianity, sure, maybe I'll be a little bit familiar with it, but my initial mm. thoughts is that it was strictly Protestant, but you were like, actually, we're a bit of a mixed bag of different beliefs, so do you want to start there? Will you tell me a little bit about what you believe, and maybe how it differs from the Roman Catholic Church? Yeah, um, that's a great, that's a great starting point. So yeah, the um, Church of Ireland is known as Anglican. So if you see the, the Catholic Church is a name for the, the wider church, and then you have the Roman Catholic Church in one branch, and then you have Protestantism in the other branch. Mm -hmm. So I guess Anglican Church of Ireland would be somewhere in the middle. Um, and that means that there's a kind of a span of like different secondary beliefs. But for the most part, how it differs um, from Catholicism is in, in three kind of main ways. So we don't um adhere to the authority of the pope um and uh, or the priesthood so we don't have priests in the church of ireland um but they're still ordained uh, rectors um in the church of ireland um in catholicism there's uh, a lot more sacraments um and that comes from a place of uh, sacraments are just like teachings beliefs mm -hmm. but um that comes from uh, the fact that at the when Jesus died on the cross, um, the Church of Ireland believers believe that that atoned for everything. So there's there's no need to do anything more than that. Whereas the Catholic Church uh, would believe that there's a continual um, kind of penance for that. Uh, and then the last reason uh, or the last kind of difference is the Catholics kind of believe in. Um, heaven bonuses to put it in a very accessible okay. non-theological way um so the the kind of people that are trained to be priests uh have a greater reward waiting for them whereas um people that are just in the congregation wouldn't quite get those uh those Perks, extra bonuses almost. as it were uh, that, yeah yeah almost for i mean that's a that's a a silly way uh, that I understand it, but um, whereas in the Church of Ireland, there there's no kind of discrimination between um, those things. So yeah, those are the three main differences, anyways. Um, sure. That set the Church of Ireland apart. 
Can I ask, um, and this is me delving very back far to my like junior third history knowledge. <laughs> um, so the Church of England, yeah. obviously they disassociated from the Pope in, and I believe it was because uh, King Henry VIII wanted to remarry and the Pope said no. And they went, okay, well, I'm going to set up my own one and kind of move away from that. Is that why would Church of Ireland follow suit? Um, is it maybe you don't believe in the power of the Pope or the authority? Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I did. It started with uh, big King Henry himself. Um, and then I think that's when the formal Church of Ireland came to be, because that happened about uh, a handful of years before the plantation started, which I know everyone who grew up doing uh, junior third history will know about the plantations. Mm -hmm. But um, that kind of formalized the Church of Ireland. Um, but the Church of Ireland has its roots all the way back to St. Patrick and the Celtic, the Celtic trend, uh, traditions and stuff. So um, it did it did formalize and take shape and structure a bit more. Um, but it still has its its roots in uh, the ancient Celtic traditions. Um, sure. And then some of the practices that you mentioned that the Church of Ireland maybe don't partake in. Is that the likes of communion and confirmation? Um, yeah. Yeah, so the, the two sacraments that the Church of Ireland do is um, baptism and communion. Okay. Um, so that means that all the other, those buzzwords, uh, the other sacraments that we can probably recall, the, the Church of Ireland don't engage in those. Um, so it's just those two. Sure. Um, so when you go to uh, Mass, you call it Mass for Church of Ireland? Or church. You go to church. Yeah. Okay, you go to church. Again, these things, these sort of things <laughs> that I just like, I don't know the difference between. So great, so you go to church. Um, does the Bible come up? Do you read Bible verses or do you do you acknowledge the Bible? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Um, so there would usually be a, a teaching or sermon, as they're uh, called. So someone would speak and kind of, um, open up a passage from the Bible in some way. Um, and that's really at the heart. It's basically teaching and worship and prayer. Those three things kind of come together to form our services. Um, yeah. Sure. And then, I mean, again, this differs between different branches of religion. In term of, terms of biblical literalism, where do you lie on that spectrum? Is it, yes, everything word for word happened here? Or is it more, we'll take these teachings as, as rough examples of, of what we want to act like? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, I think that was, from my knowledge anyways, that kind of came from the idea of Martin Luther's sola uh, scriptura, which is the idea that um, you can receive uh, salvation um, through the Bible alone. Uh, whereas Church of Ireland wouldn't subscribe to that um, strictly. So it, it means that there's there's a lot of um, application to the teachings. Um, there's a lot of uh, kind of relating it back to the people that are sitting listening to it and what they can do with that in their own lives, which I think is is a great um, part of the services. Yeah, so I think that that's, that's a great... Uh starter to the conversation of those differences because again something that I certainly didn't know growing up and um, one thing I, I've always heard though is that there's loads of singing in uh in church at the Church of Ireland so that's great I mean I love singing so maybe I'll, uh, <laughs> maybe I'll look into it is there a reason for that or is that just something that's been done for years and, and it's been continued on yeah I think that's the the most common 
way of worshiping that that would be in the church of Ireland. It's just communal singing. So um, like in our church services, we have a band um, and then uh, all the congregations sing along. Um, and that was a big thing for us coming into this pandemic because uh, the big new rule was that you weren't allowed to sing and everyone lost their minds. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, no, you always get a few few tunes if you come to a church service with the church around. <laughs> That's brilliant. Sure. Um, is church for you one day a week? Is it one day commitment? Is it as frequent as you like or as infrequent as you like? It is generally Sundays. Um, and then uh, say the Church of Ireland Parish I belong to, there's three services. So they do like a traditional communion service. Uh, then they have a like traditional service structure that's that's kind of more extended. And then they have what they call fresh expression service, which is, you know, when you get to have the, the drum kit and the guitar and um, it's a bit maybe looser in its structure, but still um, keeping in line with the, the roots of uh, our practices. Mm -hmm. So that's generally, but they generally happen uh, on Sundays exclusively. Okay. And then I suppose if you wanted to maintain that every day, or if that was something you could do, you could, you could go every day if it was something you wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. you could. Um, a term that I'd often hear uh, when speaking about religion is vocation and involvement with the church. Um, is there a certain level of that within the Church of Ireland? And are you partaking in any of that yourself? Explain the word vocation to me, just so I know where I'm yeah, so I suppose like um, something that maybe you, you felt that God has called you to do something. So whether it's working in ministry or mm. working with, you know, the, the kids in, in the church or the parish, just something that you feel I would I would um, picture it as an additional step uh, mm. to your commitment to the faith. Yeah, I think the my my experience of the church Ireland has been really good in that respect, because there's it's a great way to get people um into the community is wondering if they have any special talents or gifts that they want to offer. Um, so whether that's someone who's really good at uh, sound technology and can help with the sound desk or visuals or um, whatever it might be. Um, so it's a really good way to get people in and get people meeting other people. Uh, for me personally, I, I'm employed by the church. So um, I do the media coordination, which is all the streaming side of things that churches have to do now. So that's my uh, expertise. So you're um, very busy at yeah. virtual stuff at this point in time. You probably thought that was an easy job before the pandemic and now exactly. it's like your whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, I think for me as well, my involvement with the church started uh, very voluntary. So I would have volunteered to lead worship um, and I would have volunteered. I worked with our youth group for three years as a volunteer. And I work with a, a young adults group that um, meet every Thursday night and we have the chats. Um, so that would have been all kind of volunteer um, on a volunteer basis. And then I would have been employed later down the line uh, to meet the new needs of the church as we went into this. Sure, because I mean, everyone has had to adapt in, in as many ways as possible, including churches. Um, Speak to me a little yeah. bit more about the youth group or the, the kind of development because um, it's probably a, a separate thing from strictly church, you know, because it's it's people of a similar age group. Um, how does that work? Is it kind of informal teachings maybe about 
whether it's from the Bible or about the church, or is it more of a place to just, as you said, have the chats and then maybe something from the church would be incorporated into it? For sure. I, I think as well, to go back to your earlier point that church is supposed to be an everyday thing mm. in some respects, because the community is supposed to be an everyday thing. So the when church is in full uh, swing, we had meetings pretty much every day of the week, they were just more tailored. So the youth group would meet on a Wednesday night, young adults would meet on a Thursday, there'd be a woman's Bible study on a Tuesday. And so the church would always be people coming in and out. Um, mm. And the youth group specifically uh, was run by uh, one of my best friends. And it was it was mostly just a place for young people in, in and around the area and the community to come in and be loved. Um, and that was kind of the main motivation. And that's always the main motivation with any group that we meet with is, is just how can we um, offer people something, but offer people a space where they can come in and um, just experience what it's like to be seen and loved and known. Um, but yeah, the youth kind of worked off of a, like a mini structure of the church. So there would be teaching, there would be prayer, um, there would be worship sometimes, but teenagers get very awkward when they're asked to sing in front of their friends. So yeah. that often didn't work, but um, yeah. yeah, a lot of games and a lot of fun and a lot of music. Um, and yeah, that's basically how, how we operated. Yeah, a sense of um, building that community, though, as you mentioned a couple of times throughout, it seems a very strong thread that runs mm. throughout all of the activities. So, yeah, you don't necessarily always have to be in, in church to be practicing, whether it's meeting with the groups or Bible study or whatever. It's little ways to be contributing um, mm. to your faith. So you mentioned earlier that uh, you had a, a very positive kind of upbringing with the church. So is this something you were born into um, or your parents, Church of Ireland as well? No, uh, my parents are very, uh, what's, the, what's the word? I nearly said very strict, but that has really negative connotations. They're very um, into their faith. And mm. that's always been a part of our upbringing. So we were raised uh, Protestant, I guess, to be strict about the labels. But mm -hmm. um, it was mostly just them passing on Christian values to, to me and, and my brother and sisters. Um, and so they go to a, a Protestant church and we were raised in a Protestant church, but um, I mean, they, they listen to our services on a Sunday and there's no, uh, there's no beef between me and my parents because uh, <laughs> I'm in the church of Ireland. Yeah, no, that's good to hear. Um, can I ask if, if you're comfortable talking about it, where then did that, where did you go off your, to your own path? When did you kind of separate from strictly Protestant beliefs to moving kind of across into the church of Ireland? Yeah, I think, I think faith is, is something that people need to have their own understanding of. Um, and I think, like, I was really fortunate to have parents who taught me about faith and taught me about the importance of um, kind of having that bigger lens to look through life with. Um, but it never would have stayed with me this long if I had made it my own. Uh, and part of that journey for me was was stepping away from it and um, trying to find happiness in in where I thought I could find it, whether that was um, like drink or partying and not that those are bad things, um, but I, I didn't, I tried to get them to fill a space in my life where they couldn't fill. Mm -hmm. um, 
And that's where I find myself coming back to faith is when I realize it's the only thing that actually fills that hole in my life in that way. Um, and so, yeah, for me, it was when I came back to considering things about faith and when I started to take it seriously in my life again, uh, it looked very different because before I thought it was, um, there's bad things you can do and there's good things you can do. And to be someone of faith, you do the good things. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I learned uh, uh, in a very real way that that's, that's a very simplistic way of, of seeing faith and actually you know, uh, most of the community that I built in the church that I'm in now was over pints in the pub and, um, you know, or over coffees or over walks and um, that there is no good or bad thing. I think it's just what you're hoping to get out of something or the importance that you put on something that makes a difference. Um, so when I found myself in this community, it was uh, when I was 17, I think. Um, and that was just through the invite of a friend and it wasn't necessarily the, the, the where the Church of Ireland lies in the spectrum of Catholicism to Protestantism mm. that, that kept me there. It was more just the people and the love that I felt in the community that's kept me here. Sure. It's a, something I would be very passionate about is that trial and error element of what you mm. just mentioned. And a lot of us are born into whether it's religion or whether we're just talking about beliefs or hobbies a lot of people are born into families and there's certain expectations that are there and it is very brave to actually stop and maybe question it take some time to move past I said this is, isn't even just religion this could be if your family are huge rugby fans and you're expected to become a rugby player and you're like actually I want to dance or something completely different that trial and error is so important and to not just take everything that you've been given from birth um, for face value you know just have a look around and see different things and I like that you mentioned it's kind of the community part that kept, kept you there not necessarily because it was Catholic or Protestant um, and you mentioned you know meeting people for a drink or you know going over to someone for like a game night or, you know mm. those uh, informal meetings that really helped um, speaking of maybe the time that you weren't subscribing to a faith and maybe you felt that it was you were looking to kind of fill a gap or whatever do you live now and this probably sounds like contradictory but a more balanced lifestyle in terms of you're not um so strict on yourself religiously that you won't allow yourself to have a drink or you won't allow yourself or how, like how has your life kind of turned now yeah I yeah that's a great question I want to be uh sensitive when I answer because I have a lot of respect for people who go the strict path sure um and i love to see people committed to what the right decision is for them mm -hmm. um and i think people who choose not to drink because of their faith i just hope it's because they know that their life is better when they abstain from something rather than they feel they have um there's some external pressure for them not to um but yeah no i mean uh me and the guys that I live with, you know, we are partial to a few beers after dinner and sure. um, I'm not really great at parties, but uh, I'm not, uh, that's not a faith thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's more, just, I get tired by 10 o'clock and I'm very introverted. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. And it's a very personal decision a lot of the time, hmm. um, whether you do want to drink or abstain from whatever um, or live a certain life, it's all 
very personal and I would totally agree as long as the person feels that it's right for them as opposed to the expectation but I'm feeling and getting a sense that across many religions that feeling of um, having to be an absolutely perfect follower is kind of dwindling because there's a lot of things in the world now that simply were not there you know decades ago that provided these um, distractions from faith like having to work you know nine to five nine to six nine to seven jobs online or um you know social media being a massive presence and the internet and there's a lot of things now that just aren't as straightforward as what was maybe expected of someone 100 years ago who were following the same religion um in that kind of same line of thinking there's been a lot of things not only just recently but in the last couple of years with various different religions um that have branded certain strands or certain religions as one thing and anyone who follows that religion is x and they believe x y and z do you ever feel that there is an element of kind of i I hesitate to say discrimination but do you ever fear being painted with the one brush when you tell someone that you are religious or you're practicing in the church of ireland yeah, that is that's a great question. <laughs> Loaded question, yeah. and it can take a second, um, but it, it is something that I am intrigued with because, say, for example, that the recent um, thing with the Catholic Church saying and the re- report of the, the mother and baby homes, mm-hmm. um, I obviously like. I think everyone is collectively horrified by what went Absolutely. on, and there's no argument there. But I often feel for the very innocent, say, old lady who loves to go to mass for the social aspect and for her love of God, irrelevant of everything else that the institution has, um, has made happen essentially. And I, I, I always just have a soft spot for those people who are pure in their intentions, but who can be branded as, oh, a follower. They're, they're um, contributing to this when really, it, uh, often in any organization where there's things going wrong, it's the higher ups that are often the ones who are corrupting so it's given you a little bit of time to kind of think you have <laughs> some sort of answer <laughs> no absolutely I, I know i was more just letting the the question sink in because mm-hmm. i think it's so important um to push back on a culture that tells you if you other another group it makes your group more valued um and i think church can be awful for that where we look at different practices and um different beliefs and we other them and that mm-hmm. makes us more secure but that's that's a toxic mindset um and i think that it has no part to play in in the gospel you know um i think that if you just say for people that aren't used to talking about faith or aren't comfortable talking about faith you know i could replace the word god and talk about how i would talk about god and just use the word love instead Mm-hmm. And if something is at odds with that, then it's it's not something that I subscribe to, you know. Um, and I think, you know, as all this stuff comes out about the Catholic Church, as someone who's not a part of a, a Roman Catholic Church, it's very easy for me to just, you know, join the crowd and, and point and, and blame. Uh, but the Catholic Church is not the only Um, sector of the church that has failed and our Mm -hmm. history is painted with awful violent power hungry failures from the church and there's no getting around that and it's not up for a uh, to a believer 
to um, justify the actions of the church. Mm-hmm. It's, it's up to the church to take responsibility and to apologize. And even when met with the outrage that should be there over so many of these things, to hold up their hands, to relinquish any power and to say, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry that happened. I'm so sorry that you were affected by this. And that is the role of the church, especially around times that we're in now. Um, so yeah, I feel, I also feel for the the little old lady that goes to her, her Sunday mass um, because of course she didn't make those choices. The church yeah. did, um, but I feel, I'm not, I'm not in the game of convincing people that churches for them, but I'm in the game of separating faith from church so that if people don't want to engage with one, maybe they can engage with the other. Um, yeah, a very important differentiation I think that you've just made there is I know a lot of people, actually my own mom was like that spiritual but not necessarily agreeing with absolutely everything the catholic Mm. church said but almost used mass as a time to herself and found some comfort in that and it's those people that i think can kind of get caught in in the fire the firing line because it's like well you go to mass so you must think this but like anything you know there's what's written on the page but then there's how the person interprets it and how they feel and how they act upon it and we're all entitled to believe 50% of the thing and not believe 50% and still be just, uh, you know, as, as valued as a member of that community. Mm. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, no, I just, I kind of like to get into that mind space because as I said, I don't really, I don't subscribe to any religion. So I never worry about how my religion might be perceived <laughs> because I don't <laughs> have one, but it does cross my mind um, when things like that happen. But Um, One thing that I'd like to ask just as I finish up the episodes, um, and maybe you've covered it a little bit already, but I just asked a simple question of um, what does faith mean to you? I love how you preface that as a simple question when in reality it's uh, multifaceted. (laughs) Um, Gosh, what is faith to me? I think faith for me is is the good news that's out there that is that each individual is loved and seen and known. Um, And if they don't feel that way, the reality is that they are. And that's the truth of their existence. Um, And when I try to get people to think about faith or when I get into conversations about faith, that's all I'm trying to convince them of is that they're seen and known and loved uh, beyond measure. Um, and that gives them infinite purpose uh, on this earth. What a beautiful answer. Oh my God, I'm <laughs> moved by that. Dave, thank you so much for taking the time on your Sunday to share not only the teachings of the church, but also your own experience. And I hope I've certainly learned an awful lot. So I hope any listeners have as well thank you so much and uh, we might both shout goodbye to the camera and i'll stop recording so thanks Emil. and yeah, thanks for having bye. me bye guys <laughs>